and we're live. Ace, how are you doing? Oh, uh, thank you so much. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for inviting me back. No problem. Happy to have you. I'm just going to say the link real quick from Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, people can get in the chat if they have any questions because yeah. I don't know about you, but the Walter Book story, I. I don't know if I missed it completely. If I wasn't paying attention when it happened, I just I didn't hear about it until like maybe a month and a half ago. Oh wow, so that's I, crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure that's what it's like for a lot of people too. You know, yeah. So you no, know, I, I what, uh, it's been a big pet issue for me for a long time. It's it's infuriating, truly. Isn't it your it's your pin treat? Isn't it, it has to yes. have free walls? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when did this happen exactly? Like how long ago was this? Uh, well, he was first arrested in 2013, all the way back in 2013. Wow. The investigation was going on uh, all the way back in 2011 or closer to around 2011, 2012, somewhere around there uh, when it started. So it's been a long time. It's been a very long time. Well, let's start at the beginning. Who is Ross Obrick yeah. and what did he do that got him accused of all these terrible things? Yeah, so, um, you know, without putting words in his mouth, I would say Ross Ulbricht is uh, one of us in some sense. He campaigned for Ron Paul. Um, he was, uh, you know, pretty, he got pretty big into Mises and Rothbard. Um, and he wanted to create a website or someplace where people could express their freedom in some way. And uh, originally he actually tried to create a video game that would kind of like explain to people like economic theory, like Austrian economic theory. Um, that didn't really go go where he wanted it to go and never really got developed. But he uh, he then turned his sites to creating like an e-commerce site. And it became known as if anyone on the Internet, who is, if you've been on the Internet for a long time and some maybe some of like shadier parts of the Internet, you might know uh, the Silk Road. And uh, that was his creation. It was essentially an online site um, accessed through Tor, which is... Um, um, a, a very separate, like an easy way to explain it would be like a separate browser that uh, is very encrypted and it's hard to track. Essentially, that's like it's, it's a lot more technical than that, but I won't get bogged down in technical details here. Um, but uh, it, you can only access it through Tor, and it was essentially an anonymous site where you could you paid in Bitcoin, and this was very a very early use case for Bitcoin. This was all the way back in 2011, 2010, 2011. Um, and uh, you could pay and you could just exchange freely with people. Um, there are some people who say that it was just, you know, um, whatever you want to put on there, you can put on there. But that wasn't true. Um, Ross did have rules for the side. Like it was essentially based around the NAP, the non-aggression principle, which is that like you can't put stolen property on here. You can't put anything that would lead to, you know, someone causing harm to another person directly. And you can't, um, and like child pornography was obviously banned. So so there were like standards to the site. Mm. Um, So uh, yeah, Ross, essentially, this was like a passion project for him. Uh, He really, really wanted to like create a way where people could like freely interact without the state, um, you know, coming in and, you know, ruining things, essentially. Hmm. Make a little techno in Kapistan, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's very, that's very cool. So how long did he operate? Do you know how long he operated before he kind of got investigated and the whole thing went south? Yes. So Ross, I believe, only started it and then he handed it off in, I believe, like late 2011. I actually have notes here. I can uh, double check, but I'm pretty sure. So Ross sent uh, was uh, Ross did not have a lot of technical experience, uh, mm-hmm. particularly. So um, there were a lot of like thing people who used the site who told him about like some of the technical problems with the site. And eventually he, he earned, there was an anonymous account um, that earned his trust over time because he helped him like with the site. And he eventually, uh, Ross, in an email to one of his friends, I believe, or one of his roommate, I, I think it might have been, 
uh, Ross talked about how I'm glad that's not my problem anymore, as in he had handed off the site to someone else uh, in uh, somewhere in 2011. So about a year or so after it, and he, he, so he just pretty much got it running. It was essentially his idea, but he quickly handed it off um, to another person. If he, if he handed it off, why was he, why is he in Zale? Like, oh, like well, he, that's, he in- yeah, that's the question, isn't it? Uh, so I think, you know, uh, it's kind of interesting to go back because you, um, so this all started essentially when, um, um, the uh so it's hard so when you actually go back it's really interesting because when you actually look into like how they actually found the silk road how the feds found the silk road and stuff like that mm-hmm. it's not quite clear exactly what at what point in time or what was like the trigger point for them finding it but you do have a whole uh, it starts from my knowledge with the homeland security uh investigator uh named uh jared deryagin yeah jared deryagin is the name um, and he essentially um, was the person who was tasked with finding out about the Silk Road. And he essentially launched this huge investigation. So the whole investigation to the Silk Road was his his thing. And he uh, eventually, this encompasses the, the, like, the New York FBI, the Baltimore DEA, all these different institutions, all these different like state groups uh, are essentially uh, uh, coalescing to essentially take down Silk Road. Um, and it created this like three-year investigation into it. So, um, uh, it, it's important to understand uh, about this thing is that um, you're going to hear terms like uh, DPR, Dread Pirate Roberts, um, often used. And what that, what the Dread Pirate Roberts was uh, on Silk Road in relation to Silk Road was it was this account that was essentially the admin of Silk Road, right? It was the main, it was like the the account that ran and distributed everything in Silk Road and had you know the admin privileges of Silk Road. Um, now. Dread Pirate Roberts, uh, you know, it's it's if you've seen the Princess Bride, it's an uh, you know illusion to that where it's like it's what it's a persona and it gets passed down between various people over time, right? Um, so th- the claim here is that uh, so I'm going to like speed through it a little bit, but we can go back and like go into like whatever you want. But essentially, the main claim is that um, there is a, they charged him on conspiracy to to traffic drugs right including a kingpin kingpin charge um and what they what they tried to associate ross with was they're they're trying to say that ross was dread pirate roberts on the site and when they say that ross is dread pirate roberts they have they claim to have chat logs right they i mean they do but they can't claim that it was you know from ross but they claim to have chat logs from dpr where you know he's obviously he's talking about like you know drug transactions or drug deals or uh, things like that of that nature and that's their main evidence here. That's it. All hinges on Ross being Dread Pirate Roberts, and that's their entire that's the entire foundation for the case. But I think as we go into this, we'll quickly see that um, there's a good evidence to show that Ross was not Dread Pirate Roberts, or at the very least, uh, there were many of them at a time. So uh, maybe I have an answer. To, I, I don't know what it is. What are the kingpin swords? Like, how is that? What oh, is that sorry. That? Yeah. So the kingpin charge is a charge that someone like um, El Chapo would have, like uh, drug cartel Mm -hmm. leaders, people who essentially orchestrate um, large industrial sized uh, drug transactions and trades, essentially. Mm -hmm. So um, this is what they charged Ross with. And, you know, he was found guilty on it, Um, it, which is actually insane when you think about it, because um, uh, Ross did not actually ever sell any drugs. Ross merely Mm -hmm. had a website where some drugs were sold. And mind you, yeah. Silk Road 
sold a whole lot of things. Some of them were drugs, right? A lot of them were drugs, but that wasn't the intention for the site itself. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? It was just an after yeah. effect of the site. Um, so when you, when you look at it like that, it's like, there are currently laws on the books that protect um, sellers or vendors, from, or I'm sorry, like social media companies and sites. They're, they're legally protected from what their users sell on their own sites, right? Mm -hmm. Like people sell drugs on Craigslist all the time, but no one takes Craigslist down. There's no like, you know, uh, um, investigation to Craigslist to try to take it down. You know, drugs can be sold on eBay. You know, and the fact that, you know, like, uh, you know, AT&T knows, for example, that some people are going to use their services to sell drugs or like communicate a transaction to sell drugs, but they're never actually ever um, uh, prosecuted for that. So this is a very specific case where it seems like they just threw out, uh, you know, because you, you know, coming at this from when you may not uh, hear about this case, it's like, OK, you may want to give the best interpretation possible to the prosecution here, you know, just to be fair in some mm -hmm. sense. But it's like, no, when you look into this, it's absolutely insane how this ever happened, like on, like on the books anyway. Yeah. Now, why was he so targeted? What, what, what do you think made him and the Silk Road such a different target than, say, Craigslist or eBay or something else? Like, what was so different about it that it was directly yeah. targeted? So uh, this is interesting. This is where it really gets uh, interesting, right? Um the Silk Road was one of the, this is just a theory. There's, we obviously can't read the minds of the people who started the investigation or anything, you know, but uh, I think this is a, probably a good theory. Uh, Silk Road was one of the very first places where Bitcoin was like universalized in some sense, right? Mm -hmm. the, the only thing, you, the only way you could purchase anything on Silk Road was through Bitcoin. Um, and uh, previously, prior to the investigation starting, prior to uh, Der Yegen's investigation, uh, Chuck Schumer put out, um, a report saying how we need to crack down on Bitcoin and uh, dark market transactions on the internet. Um, so I, I, you know, who knows if like some strings were pulled behind the scenes from Schumer and we'll, we'll hear his name multiple times in this case, because he actually has his claws uh, deeply in this case, um, which is actually not a surprise if you shit. know who Schumer is. Yeah. Schumer's a terrible <laughs> person. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like he gets overlooked sometimes. Like, I want to talk about Pelosi or Hillary yeah. and like, I feel like Schumer oh. gets overlooked and it's like, he shouldn't oh, be. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. Schumer is like a, a modern day crime bar, crime boss. You know, mm -hmm. he's just he looks terrible. like it too. <laughs> yes, yeah, like absolutely. He... Yeah. So back to Ross a little bit. So Ross kind of dropped it. Wasn't really involved in it. Did he? Ever yeah, November, I found the date. November or? 2011 was when he uh, said okay. he handed it off. Did he ever get like back involved uh, at any point during this investigation? They kind of like draw him into the eye of the investigation or? Yes. So Ross did get back involved. So um, Ross did get back involved, in fact, right. And it's hard to talk about this because there's also so many other moving pieces around when this happens. So um, I, Ross does get back involved. And in fact, it's right when he gets back involved that he gets arrested, in fact, mm -hmm. in this whole thing. So they um, so I, I think it's important to probably back up just a little bit here because there's also some really dirty stuff about some of the DEA agents and what they did. In fact, two two right. agents in particular. So um der Yegen and uh this other guy mcfarland they were the two people responsible for i forget mcfarland's other first name i'll find it in a second um so der Yegen and mcfarland uh were essentially tasked with this uh investigating the silk road in the first place right and they were kind of jockeying for control behind the scenes uh for like uh who was going to spearhead this investigation and um um, they brought in, I think McFarland brought in the, uh, the Baltimore DEA, uh, drug, you know, the drug administration there. Um, 
and the so there's two people here that are very uh, dirty dirty crooked cops you know shocker here um carl mark force and sean bridges now carl mark force was a baltimore dea agent and sean bridges was a ex-secret service agent and was i believe he was working at the nsa at the time um and they what happened with them was um, they were investigating the Silk Road and uh, they, oh I'm sorry there's also one more player in here that's very important it's crucial to mention which is um, Mark Carpellis I believe yeah Mark Carpellis so Carpellis was essentially the person who was hosting um, Silk Road as a server um, and mm-hmm. he was an early Bitcoin entrepreneur in some sense he was a he ran a Bitcoin exchange. Um, and he's also kind of a shady figure who we'll delve into here in a little bit. But um, so the uh, Deryagin's investigation led them to Carpellus in some sense, and uh, they they suspected him early on. But but back to the um, back to the agents, um, the the two agents, um, uh, Carl Mark Force and Sean Bridges, uh, these guys infiltrated the Silk Road, right? So they're undercover on the Silk Road, um, you know, as kind of like uh, as as that happens. And what happened was um, they were able, they were, uh, I forget the pseudonym they had, but they were um, disguised, obviously, as just, you know, another user. And they were asking for, they were trying to make a, a cocaine purchase, I believe it was, um, with another user. And the other user kind of suspected that they were actually, you know, undercover agents. He did not, he thought there was something suspicious about them. So he backed off, but uh, the DPR, who whoever was DPR at that time, uh, wanted to use a middleman, right? And this middleman was named Curtis Green. So Curtis Green was a staff member for Silk Road. He'd been a staff member for quite quite a little bit on there. And Curtis Green, um, uh, it, you know, was the middleman here. So he received the drugs. He, you know, intercepted the drugs at his house first. And when he intercepted the drugs, uh, the, uh, the agents uh, arrested him immediately, right, at his home. So they got him, but not, but see, here's, here's when, uh, where it gets like really dirty is Carl Mark Force and Sean Bridges coerced him into giving up the password info to his account on Silk Road. So they got access to his, uh, staff member. So he had some admin privileges with his account because mm-hmm. he was a staff member and he was in the Carl Mark Force and Sean Bridges were able then to reset passwords assume uh, uh, like uh, hijack other accounts on there hijack high level vendors on the silk road and they stole the bitcoins from those accounts so so yeah which one so which the, one were these this was uh, um carl mark force and mm-hmm. sean bridges yeah with that down bitcoin sees yep so yeah so they essentially just got so not only that right so um, they hijacked accounts by resetting these high, these top-level vendors' passwords from the Silk Road. Took like access their accounts, drained the vendor, like drained them of their Bitcoin. But then before they moved it to, uh, so I told you before, Carpellis had this Bitcoin exchange, right? Um, he was like mm-hmm. he he ran one of the early Bitcoin exchanges. So they mo- attempted to move the Bitcoin to Carpellis's exchange, but before they did that. They moved it to Green's. Uh, they moved it to Green's account, Curtis Green's account, the guy who they just arrested. So they tried to frame him and make it look like he was the one who seized the bitcoins from those people. Uh, so they so they tried to frame him first, right? Um, and so right off the bat, we have two agents who have, have like you know gone rogue in some sense. You know who knows if they were who knows if they had other collaborators. Um, you know probably. 
Uh, but two agents who went rogue on the site and were just extorting people for their Bitcoins, essentially, and uh, extorting DPR now. Um, the agents then went to DPR, whoever the DPR, you know, whoever Dread Pirate Roberts was, whoever was running that account at the time. And they said, look, Curtis stole all these Bitcoin from you. And, and then and then the DPR seemingly, mind you, we have no we're not sure if these logs are actually how accurate they are. But this is just the best evidence we have at the moment. Um, the DPR was like, OK, um, oh, 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 sorry. Um, so when they're undercover and they're talking to DPR, DPR thinks that these guys are somehow involved with the cartel, right? That they're drug, they're drug smugglers and they're somehow involved with the cartel. It's obviously bullshit, mm -hmm. but, um, that's, that's what they sold to DPR. So DPR is like, okay, can you go and help like, uh, go find Curtis, go find Curtis Green and retreat, get him to like, give the Bitcoins back. Right. So, um, they say yes. And then what they do is they have Curtis Green fake his own death as if they to, to make it look like uh, they put out a hit on him, right? So they, they make Curtis, they coerce him to make it fake his own death. I think they even threatened his family. Um, so they made, yeah, they made him fake his own death and then they posted pictures of his fake dead body um, to DPR, you know, and and whatever. Okay, now that's that's one that's just a, a little piece of like all the all the things that happened um, um, when the feds got involved in the site. Yeah. Then, then those same people uh, who were using undercover accounts also threat later threatened to um, um, what is it? Turn them over to the feds if they didn't like. Ex they were trying to extort more bitcoins from them, and they were saying, "Look, we're going to turn you over to the feds." unless you give us more Bitcoin on an annual or a monthly basis or whatever. Right. So you can see where this is going. So then um, DPR, apparently it seems at least in the logs, it seems to be that DPR puts out a hit on this person who's trying to extort them or is looking to put out a hit on these people who are trying to extort them. And that's the main source of evidence that they have. Um, well, sorry, I shouldn't even say that's evidence because we'll get to this in a second. So, the main claim you hear from anyone whenever you talk about Ross Ulbricht is there'll be, you talk about Ross Ulbricht, you're going to get some, it's a, it's like a law. You're going to get someone in your mentions who's talking about how, well, no, Ross hired hitmen to kill people, right? You hear this all the time. Um, one, you can't prove that Ross was the DPR. I, you know, we'll, we'll go more into that in just a little bit, but I think that's, um, that you just can't prove that he was the DPR first off. And two, you can't even prove that those chat logs were essentially accurate, right? They, um, considering that um, the two agents had control of the website and they had control of the accounts and they knew how to hijack accounts and take them mm -hmm. over, right? So that already is enough, you know, um, reasonable doubt to assume that, hey, th there might be something here that's just uh, not right. Um, but afterwards, um, so... Uh, after the DE agents got involved, right, you sort of had this fighting for control in the background between Der Yegen and uh, McFarland. They kept going at it. Like, Der Yegen um, was very suspicious of Carpellis, who Carpellis was the uh, Bitcoin exchange guy. He was the guy who was running, essentially, the he was hosting the Silk Road servers, um, mm -hmm. which they later found in Iceland, I believe. Um, yeah, I think that's right. They found him in Iceland. Um, but he was a very shady guy. And um, he, he, Der Yegen wanted to continue to investigate Carpellis, but McFarland or some of the other guys were um, wanting just to get uh, Carpellis to essentially to talk and to rat someone out. So they gave him immunity 
uh, if he would rat someone out, right? And we don't know who who he ratted out, but all we know is that Ross was very shortly arrested afterwards, right? Mm. So, um, so the, um, so it's very important to remember here that Ross had little to no involvement, seemingly little to no involvement in Silk Road, and that there's good evidence to support why that's true. Um, uh, so the DPR is right, as I, I think I mentioned before, it's like, you know, it, it's it's meant to be, you know, an allusion to like, you know, uh, this persona, which you pass down through multiple people, right? So that that alone should like give you a little hint. That's not evidence, but, you know, you can kind of get the idea yeah. of what was going on here. Um, uh, so the, the idea that there were multiple Dread Pirate Roberts uh, comes from one Curtis Green himself, the guy who was like, uh, you know, who was uh, like fake, uh, faked his own death or whatever, was coerced to fake his own death. He, one, believes Ross is innocent in this whole thing. And two, he also uh, Ed says there were multiple uh, people running the Dread Pirate Roberts count, and he was one of them at one time. Right. So <laughs> even he would even he said that. Um, another point was that um, there was a secret handshake um, a guy named I think Andrew Jones. I think that's his name, Andrew Jones. He was um, another person on Silk Road, um, uh, a frequent user. I think he might have been a staff member too. I'm not not 100 sure. Sorry about that. Um, but uh, anyway, he would have conversations with one of the DPRs, and he you know he knew pretty well. And they eventually gave uh, like a secret handshake, right? Uh, when and what a secret handshake means is that like one person says a code phrase and the other person if they're the same if they're who they say they are they'll know the other code phrase the other part of the code phrase right so andrew jones would go to this dpr and he would say uh and do you have any good reading recommendations and the dpr was supposed to say anything by rothbard uh that was supposed <laughs> to be the secret handshake um so uh the dpr um who uh, so the date that the hits went out, the date that they say that this person uh, called in hits to take out Curtis Green or to take out other people who were trying to extort them. Um, Andrew Jones asked the secret handshake like right around that time and the DPR did not know. The DPR did not uh, like finish the handshake. They did not know this other part of the code phrase. So, you know, that that's also another good piece of evidence to suggest that, no, yeah, there's obviously more people who run this account. Um, mm -hmm. And that also, mind you, that's just to say that that's we're not even saying that that is necessarily Ross, just that there are multiple people. One of them might have been Ross, but even then we have no proof that Ross was one of them. Now, um, where like where this all kind of uh, comes together at, though, is... Um, uh, I think it's in, let me see, I think it's in October of 2013. Yes. So October of 2013, um, they eventually, um, well, first they tapped Ross's, um, like they, they um, were able to get a geolocation of Ross's whereabouts by um, tapping into his uh, data, which they, so they found his email on i think like a bit on carpels's bit um bitcoin exchange forum website i believe or it might have been the silk road forum one of those two um and they found ross's email um and they essentially were able to like extrapolate where like they used the email and they did some you know uh, technical mumbo jumbo to essentially find ross find his location and they found him so he was at a library when he got arrested right so what they did was um oh i'm sorry I skipped over something very crucial here. Um, so uh, Der Yegen, the the main investigator here, infiltrated mm -hmm. the site as well, right? So he infiltrated the site and he 
then um, essentially used one of the staff members as an informant who was on the site. They got a staff member on the inside there, essentially. <laughs> and Yuryagin um, was under the alias of Cirrus, I believe it was the name of the account on, on the Silk Road. And he uh, would, would be in chats with DPR, right? Um, and what happened was for a long time, he would just be in chats. And then he also had another account called uh, Mr. Wonderful, I believe was the name of the account on Silk Road. So there's multiple accounts trying to, they're just trying to essentially talk to DPR, see what information they can get out of them, right? It's just like a, a, an entrapment. Mm -hmm. So um, what, what would happen is, so there was an account by your Yegan called Mr. Wonderful. And then there was another account called Not Wonderful. Now, Not Wonderful is not issued, was not actually issued by the, um, by the investigation. And uh, the, the theory is, we don't know 100%, but the theory is that it was Sean Bridges or Carl Mark Force, who was probably Not Wonderful. And the reason for this is um, Not Wonderful was feeding them inside, was feeding DPR inside information that they were under investigation and, and that there were feds on their website trying to get information out of them. But they would but they, but they would threaten to turn them in if they did not pay them in Bitcoin, <laughs> right? So so uh, they were being extorted. It was like a two-way, it was like, it was just like two different agencies doing opposite things. And one was just trying to extort, inf extort money for information and the other was trying to extort, get information out of DPR. It was, it's just an insane, insane story when you really delve into it now. <laughs> Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, Durgagin had, uh, was under the alias of Cirrus, which was one of the, um, like staff member accounts on there, I believe, or one of the high, tr uh, high trusted accounts on there. And he thought that after they've had long conversations back and forth and, um, one day, so Ross was at, um, Ross was at a library, I believe in California. He was living in California at the time of his arrest. Hmm. Um, and he went to a library he opened his laptop and um so ross they, the reason people think it's ross is that when ross opened his laptop he had like communications of dpr like he had access to the site still and he still had the login to the dpr account so when der yegan is sitting in a cafe i think across across the library on his computer and he's you know at, under the pseudonym or under this like account of cirrus talking to dpr and um, he's trying to say he's trying to engage in a conversation with them, and Ross sees this pop up on his computer because I think I think Sirius is asking him like a technical question. Oh, can you help me with something or some other? And um, Ross sees this, and Ross tries to log in to the DPR account. Um, and as soon as he log logs into the DPR account, um, some people in the library start fighting. Right. Um, and Ross goes to break up this fight, but little does he know that those were agents staging this. So right when he gets up to break up this fight, agents come over, tackle him to the ground, and grab his laptop um, immediately. Um, so what they stick one of the agents immediately sticks a USB file a folder, or sorry, a USB file into his computer and starts to extract uh, files out out of the computer. Yeah. And in doing so he actually uh, damages some of the metadata with the files. He starts like copying and overwriting some of the files. And, and this is like really technical, but it essentially means that it, it was nearly impossible for them to uh, track a digital fingerprint to the uh, corresponding files, which means that they can't be sure now that the things that were on his computer were originally from him or if he just had them on his computer mm -hmm. from some other source. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. 
so um, when they're doing that, um, um, they then take him to right. So they take him. They take him to jail. Um, I, well, I'm trying. Hold on, I'm trying to remember. Sorry about that. I'm trying to remember if I missed anything. Yeah, he's in the library. This okay, is a yeah, crazy yeah. story. It's it's a crazy story. It's absolutely insane. Yeah. Oh, when Ross logged in, when Ross logged into the DPR account, he was. Um, this is another uh, point of evidence that you know he had not been active on the website in a while. At least, because he said when he logged into the DPR account, he told Duryagan. Little he didn't know he was Duryagan, obviously, but you know he told Duryagan that the admin tools were giving him problems and he was having trouble, like you know, um, um, doing some stuff on the side. Which, if he'd been running DPR for a long time, then you know he wouldn't. Re- he would know. You know, he would know what he was doing. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, he was having trouble right when he logged in about like how to do stuff and. Um, he said he was having trouble with some of the flagging admin privileges. And what, what, what that means is that Ross, um, the admin tools he was having problems with were the problems where you, he, you would take down um, flagged things from the site. So like uh, child mm-hmm. porn or like uh, stolen property. Uh, so the, so, you know, there's some in, in inclination that Ross probably logged in, saw some things on the site that he didn't want there and was trying to take them down when he was arrested. <laughs> Um, that's at least, you know, the theory, at least, you know, we can't prove, you know, we we can't read minds, but, um, you know, that's at least what that is. So, um, yeah, Ross got distracted. They took his laptop, they arrested him. Um, and, and, you know, this is the crazy thing, right? So Ross is sitting in jail, right? Um, the DPR account gets logged in after Ross is in jail. (laughs) Kind of proves it might not have been him. Right. Yeah, you at the very least proves that, you know, there more there's more of them than him, which is not um so once we get to the actual trial, it's going to be bananas. Like the trial is by far the most insane. Let me get thing. Let me get a second sure. page up here because I've already I've already fed up a whole page of notes. Oh yeah, I have a bunch just, of notes too. Yeah. This is a crazy fucking story. Yes. Like I'm is anyone like anyone in Liberty's space trying to make this in a movie yet or a documentary? Oh, I mean there's um Alex the hell, right? Yeah, Alex Winter um made a uh documentary about it. Uh or, or at least um partially about it. I, I think it's, it's called Dark Web or Deep Web, one of the two. Um there is a afterward and put in the description. Yeah. yeah. Uh so the laptop was given to um, uh, a guy by the name of uh, Christopher Beeson, and he was a private investor. He was a um, not a was it? Um, he was essentially like um, a private contractor uh, that often works with like the FBI and stuff like that. And apparently, when he was working with the laptop to try to do, um, he he um, it, it's technical, so I won't can I won't get bogged down to too many technical details, but. Um, if you go on like freeross.org, they have a lot long lit transcript and source of like everything that happened with this. But he apparently damaged some files when he was copying it, and he tried to extract the um, data from the RAM, like um, do a RAM extract on the computer. And he kept trying to do it, and it was giving him failures. And um, he ran a program that is commonly known as Disk Destroyer (DD). Um, and the, because the risk is that sometimes you can just destroy the whole like disc uh, in the computer and it can just like, you'll it, be no good. So he was trying to run this program and he failed multiple times at running it. And, um, you know, that alone is proof that or not proof, but there's evidence there that, you know, um, certain things on the computer might've gone damaged or just overwritten or, you know, mm-hmm. a bunch of different things. So, um, 
eventually he um gave this um he gave the info he extracted from the computer to Duryagan. And uh so Duryagan um still thought that Carpellus was in on it because the, the, what why Carpellus was really shady was that um he essentially was um so the theory is that Carpellus might have been the DPR who uh took over from Ross at least or one of the DPRs. Um there's no proof of that obviously so I'll I'll just say allegedly, you know, for legal reasons. Um uh so they think Carpellus uh, the theory is that Carpellus might have been again we can't prove that but um he was Carpellus had some pretty shady dealings in the past like uh, um things like that and he had um I'm trying to remember exactly what happened. I, I know I have in my notes some here, uh, somewhere here, but uh, yeah. Car- so Carpellus um, immediately wanted immunity. Uh, he, he he just wa- he was like, I'll, I'll rat someone out and just give you someone, but as long as you just like give me complete legal immunity. And Duryagin, who was investigating Carpellus, so Duryagin, the guy who was originally behind this whole Silk Road investigation, um, he originally. Um, Oh, that's right. So, um, uh, Carpellus originally was going to meet with one of the agents in Guam, apparently, which is like the source of like the NSA, one of the big NSA headquarters in Guam. <laughs> uh, so, you know, uh, there's there's just very shady things with Carpellus here. Um, but he was granted legal immunity, um, uh, you know, against Duryagin's wishes because Duryagin still thought that he might be the culprit here, and he wanted to get you know the actual culprit. Um, but he was given immunity. And um, it, it kind of, um, uh, sorry, I lost my train. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. So uh, after he was given immunity and he got ratted out, then Ross, you know, got arrested. Um, after Ross was arrested, and they were trying to extract the uh, the um, information from the laptop, it got damaged and it was sent to Duryagin. And Duryagin looked at it and he's like, "There's something that's still missing here." And he's like, I still suspect Carpellus, even after he there was all this information. So even the uh, the lead investigator of this thought, yeah, it's it might, there's a good chance it might be Carpellus. And, and Dergagin was pretty upset that there were people in his own organization and other organizations that were essentially going behind his back and like not um, letting him like do what he wanted with Carpellus. Um, but anyway, uh, let's see. So. Um, Ross hired uh, a defense attorney, Joshua Dreitel. Um, and I'll just read off some of the names here that are going to be like important, like coming up. Joshua Dreitel, who was the uh, Ross's defense attorney. And you have Saren Turner, who was a New York pro- prosecutor. Um, uh, yeah, let's see. so those will be the names for now. So anyway, um, Turner claimed that the prosecutor, Turner claimed that Ross was responsible for the murders uh, for hire, one. Um, and he also claimed that Ross was the sole DPR. He was the only one, yeah. right? Um, but here's the thing, right? So at when Ross got arrested and they were at the, the, his bail hearing, right? Um, Turner brought up that uh, Ross was extremely dangerous because he was responsible for hiring hitmen in an attempted murder for hire, right? As we talked about earlier. Um, so he brought that up, um, but when it came to the actual trial, uh, Turner never charged him with murder for hire. He just he just used that to deny Ross bail. Like that was it. Fuck, that's that's just terrible. Yeah, that is. Yes, I shouldn't be shocked anymore at how terrible our court system is, but I'm still fucking shocked. Oh yeah, this um, 
this whole like I, I was already an anarchist when this whole thing happened but or when i learned about this story but it was like such a uh such a black pill you know even more you're not you're not shocked you're not surprised but you're or sorry you're not shocked you're just disappointed you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's like oh god it, it's terrible so yeah, even with even with um i think there were like 70 different letters from like love ross's loved ones that talked about how please don't deny him bail and they pledged over collectively they pledged over a million dollars uh for ross's bail and they still denied him bail um even after that so um turner then met, the prosecutor then met with ross and imme- the first interaction he had with them he immediately threatened him and said look you can take my plea deal that will uh, get you like 10 years at least or i could th- i could throw the kingpin charge on you and you could uh, go to jail for life essentially uh with it or close to it so it, it's it's just absolutely insane right and that and that tells you what what how uh what prosecutors do um oh boy yeah here's the judge so the judge's name is uh catherine forrest um so she this is uh this is when it really gets infuriating if you thought what you heard before was infuriating this is gonna just gonna be uh over the top so ross refused to cooperate with the pardon um uh, so ross was charged with the conspiracy to distribute drugs uh fake uh, distribute fake ids computer hacking and the kingpin charge those were his charges um he was never charged with a, attempted murder for hire so that's uh, that's a ve- okay. so um that's a very important point to point that we'll touch on later is that he was not charged with the murder for hire that was never brought up um or it was never charged i should say so um so uh the um what is it the judge raised the point that ross had essentially um created silk road to distribute drugs which is also just not true uh, that was not his intent. You know, it was, it might've been um, something he knew was going to happen, but it was not the sole reason for starting Silk Road. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, sorry. I, I have a lot of notes here. Sorry about that. Oh, uh, good. I, I'm amazed you don't have like, a, what's a beautiful mind room. Oh yeah. Time. Right. Right. Like, there's enough, there's enough amazing here for that. Yeah. Oh yeah. So at this point, Carl, Mar- uh, Carl Mark force uh, uh, and Sean Bridges were both being investigated behind the scenes. Right. They were both being investigated, and um, the so Turner, the prosecutor, knew they were being investigated at this time, but um, did not allow, or they did not um, allow the defense to bring that information up, or the judge to bring up that the two cops who were in, heavily involved in this case were under their were under investigation for extorting, extortion, and you know all these other crimes on the site. Uh, because they were worried that, well, th- you know, it might harm the investigation if, you know, uh, uh, we reveal details about this. So uh, essentially, um, they're using evidence uh, that was partially acquired from these two men um, when they know that these two men were crooked. <laughs> so uh, that that just goes to show you how, how bad this gets. Um, so, yeah, Bridges and Force were both interrogated, and they, of course, denied involvement um, um, with DPR, even though that, that was later turned out that they did have involvement. Um, have they been solved? Was anything, or are they still coming? Yes. So, no, they actually, if we skip ahead a little bit, after Ross was charged, um, they eventually both spent six years in prison. So they are convicted felons for their yes. efforts in the investigation. And That's that- right. 
They they stole and everything he used is still yeah. accepted in the court and still. That's right. Fucking hell, man! This is. Oh, I hate this so much. This is just so yeah, fucking. It's disgusting. so infuriating, dude. Um. Let's see. Uh, oh yeah, so Karl Mark Force, his involvement was known to the judge. Uh, um, they and the like, and I believe Dreidel, who's the defense attorney, it was also known to him. But they were they were not allowed to bring it up because of fear that it would hamper the investigation. But Bridges, the other guy, the other uh, dirtbag in here, uh, Turner, this prosecutor, knew he was under investigation, but he didn't even tell the judge that. So not even the judge knew that Turner was under investigation. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I um, go ahead. I'm blown away here. I am yeah. absolutely blown away. Like I'm like, I'm, like I want. I don't know about you. I, I put this. Um, if this was a movie, I wouldn't believe it. Right. It's, yeah. It sounds like a, what's the, what's that guy? A, a guy witsy comedy. There's so many threads here. It doesn't seem real. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like okay. At a certain point, it's like okay, enough. This is just like too much. Like it's just yeah. that's why. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, uh, Dreidel, the defense attorney, tried to argue that, hey, since these guys are under investigation and they play a key part in this whole story, we should wait until their investigation is done to to, to see um, what happens to when we should hold off on Ross's trial because we need to see like how if these people were crooked or not. And the judge denied that. They're like, nope, nope, we're not going to we're not going to wait. We're just going to go ahead with the trial. Uh, so yeah, it, it just keeps getting worse and worse from here. Too. Um, oh yeah. So um, Chuck Schumer, everyone's favorite senator, um, sent a letter. This was in 2013, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was late 2013 or early 2014. Um, so Chuck Schumer sent a letter to Eric Holder um, talking about how great it was Eric that Holder. They, Eric Holder. Isn't that the Fast and Furious guy? Yes, that's right. I knew I recognized that name. Okay, Eric Holder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So he sent a letter to Eric Holder talking about how um, how great it was that you know we uh, Silk Road so Silk Road had been shut down by now it was no longer online um, he yeah, he was talking about how great it was that uh, Silk Road was shut down and that they had its uh, you know the the person who was running it in custody so but he just assumed so he just like kind of tarnished Ross's reputation in front of like anyone who read that because that was like posted in the new york times i believe so all these new york people who would be new york jurors now think that we automatically have this perception in their minds that ross is the guy who's running it so you see he kind of just poisoned the well uh for this yeah. whole investigation here by just assuming that it was ross to begin with right yeah um uh, uh hold on i got uh oh there we go okay yeah yeah so um Duryagin uh, testified um, in, in this case himself, but he was um, um, when Dreidel, the defense attorney, tried to press him on um, Car- uh, Carpellis's involvement. The uh, the uh, prosecutor uh, Turner he objected. He immediately objected, and the judge sustained his objection. Like he it was or, uh, or went along with the objection. So it was like. Uh, the judge sided with him, and, and when they asked Dreidel, why are you bringing up this Carpellis fellow, um, he, he sided in Dirty own notes that, look, this guy's very suspicious, and if he had any involvement in here, like, that's important for the case. That's a very important to know if, like, there were multiple DPRs or if he was involved somehow. So, um, eventually, so he, here's, uh, here's a, a little twist uh, coming up. 
um, the judge, uh, after Dreidel, the defense attorney, talked about this, the judge essentially said, uh, uh, yeah, you know, that is important to know. Yeah, okay, I, I, I see where you're going with this. Okay, I'll allow it. And then um, the very next is, oh, well, first, sorry, I have to say, soon as he, soon as Carpellis was brought up, the um, the judge dismissed the jury early to, and told him to go home, <laughs> right as the Carpellis was brought up, which is also pretty weird, uh, very strange. Um, but anyway, so af- it was, they were talking after the fact, and this is when Dreidel convinced the judge to allow the questioning uh, of Duryagin about uh, Carpellis to go forward, um, and the judge agreed. And when court resumed the very next day, the judge completely changed her mind and dismissed any question about Carpellis in this investigation and told the jury to strict the name from their minds and not uh, don't don't pay any attention to it. That that was a guy that was in Guam with the NSA thing. Or, yeah, so we don't know if it ever took place, but we know that that was supposed to take. It, the, the, we don't know if the meeting between Carpellis and this FBI agent in Guam was go, ever took place, but we know it was supposed to take place uh, ostensibly. But that is yeah. some like I'm not much of a conspiracy theorist, but the lines are there. <laughs> right, right. It's very easy to make these connections for sure. Um, yeah, the judge struck all mentions of Cap- of Carpellis from the jury and the records um, after even after they uh, she told. Um, the defense attorney that it was going to be allowed. She completely did a 180 the next time uh, the jury re- uh, reconvened. Um, so yeah, uh, Curtis Green admitted to being DPR. Um, yeah, in the defense, so the um, the prosecutor kept on claiming that Ross was the only DPR, right? Just that that was their mm-hmm. whole thing. I don't think Curtis Green ever. I don't think he ever testified. If I remember correctly, I could be wrong on that. Um, I talked about the handshake. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, so the guy who I was telling you about, Andrew Jones, before he was the one who made like the sacred hand, secret handshake um, with mm-hmm. the DPR, and um, um, the the prosecution never like struck them from the list of potential witnesses um, when they learned that apparently. So they did not want that uh, coming out, of course, because they obviously want to prosecute Ross. Um, uh, okay, so yeah, tr- the prosecutor showed unsubstantiated chat logs showing that. So yeah, this is this is infuriating. Um, the prosecution, remember, I remember before when we said uh, Ross was never charged for hiring hitmen, right? Mm-hmm. It's never a charge, even though he's never charged for this. The prosecution, uh, Turner, he went and showed the chat log, the unsubstantiated chat logs, which we don't know if are real or if someone else was who was running the DPR account for, you know, there's all these different variables that show, you know, it might not have been Ross. He shows the chat logs in which DPR seemingly hires a hit on a person, on another person who was the undercover agents. It turned out to be, you know, obviously. Um, and he's showing this to the jury. And accusing Ross of doing this when he was never charged with wait, it. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on. The, the judges allowed him to bring up an actual crime in the DPR account, but never actually didn't charge him with it. Yeah, it wasn't wait. about the charges. Yes, he he brought it, something up that was not related to the charges. Yes. How? That, that doesn't seem like it's a legal. That seems so out of like legal court bounds. Like that doesn't seem yeah. like a. Holy shit. Yeah. It's it's infuriating. <laughs> And it's, it's, it's they really they railroaded they railroaded this yes, guy. This yes, they did. Yes, 
Yeah. And in fact, you know, it's funny you said that because um, there's a podcast called or there's a production called Railroaded, which actually talks about just this whole thing. And if you want the if you want the full thing, I think it's like a few hours long or whatever, like maybe like four hours long. It's definitely worth it. I'll, um, I'll send it to you and you can link it in the description. Thank uh, you. Yeah. If I can sit through a 59 hour documentary on Chris Cam, I could probably sit through a four hour documentary on. Right. On yes. Um, so try so okay so the defense tried to bring in uh andreas antonopoulos who was a bitcoin expert at the time and also a few other like t uh, computer experts to show so the defense was trying to show that look these chat logs could easily have been manipulated right specifically considering that they never actually had a digital fingerprint connecting it to ross um all, everything the prosecution was showing could have easily been tampered with in one way or the other by multiple different parties and uh, they they just denied him uh, bringing these um, bringing these um, people as witnesses or as um, to just um, you know give their opinion on exactly what could have happened here. You know what I mean with these chat logs, even after they brought the chat logs up, uh, because uh, the judge thought that you know it'd be unfair to the prosecution if they just brought in like uh, new potential um, um, people. Uh, out of the blue like that it didn't give them enough time to prepare or something like that you know what i mean but which it's obviously asymmetric because they um like we like i think like uh right before okay so this is also something funny right because they're talking about like how well we don't want to you know uh just uh you know jump the prosecution with all these new things or all these new things that they weren't prepared for in the first place right so that alone you know okay that's fine but here's the thing um they dumped four terabytes of data on the defense to read through, uh, like beforehand. Four terabytes? <laughs> four that's, terabytes of data. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let me see right here. Oh, I, okay. I, I have to turn to another page. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm trying to find because there's uh, there was something else here that I wanted to uh, get to. Sorry about that. Uh, oh, good. Take your time. This is just, give people yeah. listening a little chance to kind of catch their breath because it's yeah, that's a lot of information mm -hmm. coming out here. Right, right. So, da, da, da. oh, I think this is it. yeah, yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm -hmm. So yeah, they tried. Uh, Ross was found guilty on all counts at the end of this, which is just infuriating. Um, and uh, so I, I do want to back up just a little bit, right? Because um, this is also something else, right? About like, um, there was apparently some evidence of destroying evidence here in, in the court case. That was, um, so um, do you remember when I was talking about like how this not wonderful account was talking to DPR and was trying to like giving them in, inside information about that there was an investigation going back or there was an investigation going on. So during this, um, so there were, after they took the files from his computer and sent them off, right? um they were they were copied and they were copied and they were copied it was essentially a copy of a copy of a copy and it was distributed to um uh like the uh the defense and the prosecution and it was weirdly absent that um all talks of this not wonderful the all file all like transcripts of this not wonderful account talking to dpr was somehow not there it was just not there at all it's um, not at all no, it was not there in four different four different copies. It was not there. It was just completely gone. The, the, and there were only four copies, they thought. But um, it turned out that inside that four terabytes, there was a fifth copy hidden there somewhere, someplace that someone probably wouldn't have thought to look, uh, that did include that conversation. So uh, 
there is so that's you know it was absent in four copies that everyone else had but the fifth copy was in lock, like locked below the the um four terabytes that the defense was given so th there's some evidence here that's like okay there was tampering of evidence going on for sure like that that's a fairly yeah. you know easy jump you can make yeah um so uh let me see oh sorry i have this here uh so yeah, Ross got double life plus forty years. Double double life plus forty years for running double a website. For running a website, no no past history of violent behavior or any criminal charges. First time offender. What? Yeah, that's that's a that is a lot. That is a that's that's a fuck time. El, El Chapo got less. You're kidding? No, like. Hold on, for real? Yeah, El Chapo got less. Is, he didn't get double life plus forty. That is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. What is he at currently, Ross? Do you know what prison he's currently in? For people listening who want to know Minecraft um, he's, he, I don't know exactly which one he's in right now because he's gotten transferred a lot. I think he might be in Colorado. I Don't quote me on that because I'm, I'm not sure, but I think at one point he was in Colorado. Uh, he, okay, so if we want to skip ahead a little bit... Um, there was a point when Ross was put in a supermax prison because of his kingpin charge and his double life charge, which means that he's in the, he, at one point he was in there with rape, the worst rapists and murderers you could ever imagine. Yeah. Why, why do you, why do you think he was such a uh, target for the, the government? Like, is it because Bitcoin was involved? Is it because it was like the first time the government had a photo spread from like crypto stuff? Like, I think what? the Bitcoin was probably a big reason why, but I actually have, there's something in here in my notes that I'll get to in a second, okay. uh, which will just infuriate us even more. Uh, let me uh, find it. So, um, so after he was charged and given double life plus 40, um, the, or, or not after he was, not after he was given, sorry. Um, uh, after he was found guilty, um, hundreds of loved ones rode in just begging and pleading the judge to give him the lightest sentence possible. And the judge was talking about like how, you know, this is very strange to me. This seems to be, you know, there's a lot of people who talk from all points in your life who talk about how, what, how much of a good person you were, but then that seems to conflict with, you know, uh, the um, kingpin that you've, you've been found guilty to be, uh, you know, and it's like, well, yes, hmm, I wonder why. Uh, but so I'll read you a quote from Ross. This was what Ross said at his uh, at the sentence hearing. Um, so he, this is him giving an explanation as to why he started Silk Road in the first place. Uh, he said Silk Road was supposed to be about giving people freedom to make their own choices and to pursue, pursue their own happiness, however they saw fit. I do not and have never advocated the abuse of drugs. I learned from Silk Road that when you give people freedom, you don't know what they'll do with it. While I still think people should uh, not be denied this right uh, or this decision for themselves, I never sought to create this site as an avenue for people to feed their addictions, right? So he, he's very clearly saying he was not doing this just to, like, sell drugs or just, you know, it was very much a philosophical uh, reason. So the judge accused him of putting uh, – the judge accused Ross of putting himself above the wall and stating that um, – uh, and then side oh oh my god so this is uh so the judge also cited you know the unsubstantiated DPR um, reports or, or the DPR chat logs at at the sentencing and, and she talked about how 
Um, so DPR had made comments on there how the, the state was the oppressor. And she said she found these very troubling. Uh, how, you know, uh, you know, and a very, it was a very dangerous sen- sentiment. Um, and that um, that was one of her reasons for giving him a harsh sentence. You, you, hold on. I'm not, she used his philosophical leanings, his beliefs, and not just, mind you, that, that was the DPR council, but, but you know, yeah. So Ross is like a libertarian. She used Ross's political beliefs as a, as a reason why she gave him double life plus 40. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I, I need a moment for that. Hold on. Like, yeah, I, I know. I know. Jesus, that is so. That is that's such a scary thing to think about. That like yes. your political leanings can play a role in your sentencing in court. Yeah, that is like a scary fucking hell, man. Yeah. So she said. The judge said lawlessness will not be tolerated, and um. So Ross pleaded for mercy, and this is another quote. Uh, he says, I will not lose my love for humanity during my years of imprisonment, and upon my release, I will make it up for not being there for the people I love. If I do make it out of prison decades from now, I will not be the same man, and the world won't be the same place. I'll be an old man, at least 50, uh, with the additional wear and tear that prison life brings. Uh, next page. Um, I, will, I will know better than anyone the heavy price of breaking the law, and I will know that it is not worth it. Um, I've had my youth, and I know you must take my middle years, but please leave my old age. Please leave a little light at the end of the tunnel and a chance to redeem myself in the free world before I meet my maker. And then, of course, uh, then the judge gave him double life plus 40. Fucking bitch. Yeah. Uh, there is no circle of hell too deep for this woman. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Judge Forrest told Ross, this was after she sentenced him, or during the sentencing, sorry. Um, the, the reason you started Silk Road were for philosophical reasons, and I don't know if it's a philosophy you've left behind. The judge wanted to send a message to anyone else with a similar, like, philosophy, uh, about the dangers of law, how lawbreaking will not be tolerated. I don't think it's anyone I hate more right now. Like, there's a lot yeah. of people I hate, but like that woman might like, might take the top of the list. Yeah, yeah. And um, a copycat Silk Road started soon after the original one was taken down, and uh, the creator there of that Silk Road, and this was a Silk Road that did not have Ross's libertarian instincts. There was a lot of depraved uh, things on that Silk Road, um, and uh, the creator of that Silk Road spent 13 days in jail. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. He, it was not as little, like, they allowed things that want like, not violations, more violent crime, like. Yes. And he said, how long? He said, 13 days. He, said, I said, he was released. What the fuck, man? <laughs> I, yeah. What? Oh, okay. Uh, people listening, I, he was a pizza, uh, because I am going to sell a pizza of uh, the judge, because I think this is fail. Um, where's my sales screen? I'm gonna say picture the judge because that, that, that seems mm-hmm. something we should look at here. Um, this is exactly the kind of white woman must be stopped. She, she looks like every Karen you hate. How, how yeah, that's her, that's her at the sentencing. The other one, even in the drawing, yeah. she looks like a bitch. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is, this is not count as doxing, I believe, because that is a public image. That but public also, info, it's not doxing. 
not doxing. So, um, wow. Okay, so like, what if somebody? Um, I'm gonna be jumping ahead a little bit. What are some of the arguments people when you when you bring up Ross or you talk about Ross? What are some of the people who are uh, for this sentencing kind of say against it? Like when you say Ross should be free, what are the arguments people give you? The most common thing, the most common thing you'll ever see from people is that Ross hired hitmen and he deserves to be in jail. What did they? Wish, like, what did they? What did they say when he said he was never charged? Was, was that like? Oh, oh yeah, that's and that see that's a now see this is the uh, thing where you think of that. Well, obviously, if he's never charged, why would he be in jail? And they'll say, well, well, he probably did it. Which it, it, when you <laughs> see when you hear people do this, when I I've lost all faith in juries forever. Like no, I, I like honestly, the amount of mm-hmm. people I've heard say, well, he probably did it, so he deserves to be there. It's like I hope you yeah. never serve on a jury because you're going to ruin a person's life, like yeah. legitimately. No, absolutely, like it's juries are such a weird thing. Um, I I did this thing called teen court, uh, down here, where mm-hmm. basically if you were under the age of eighteen and you committed a crime, you could plead guilty, and then you would go to a court of your own peers, teenagers, right. and they would sentence you, and you would never go on your permanent record. And great, it's honestly a good program. My only problem is the kids have to admit their guilt, but they avoid mm-hmm. permanent records. But you know, given how terrible the court and it's actually is, of your peers, right? It's yes. <laughs> like, yeah. right, which is kind of nice. Um, but being on that, the amount of like, how do I put this? Any chance someone got to anonymously fuck someone over, they took it. Yeah, it was right. it was a weird phenomenon. Oh. Like I'm watching these people, just like, oh, he had an ounce of weed, therefore let's give him everything we can. It's like, wait, what the fuck? I also forgot to mention um, when I was going through my notes, um, there was another thing that the judge did that really set them set like poison the well against Ross. So when the jury was selected, um, the the judge made them all anonymous. And what that meant was that um, the reason uh, when a judge makes the jury anonymous, uh, that usually means that the person is very dangerous who's being uh, who's like uh, being accused of the crimes because the idea is if they're not anonymous, if they ever got out, they could go after the jury who put them away. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah. the fact that the judge made the jury anonymous instilled within the jury this idea that oh wow, this guy must be dangerous uh, before and it, you know what I mean. So <laughs> like the, I, I understand the need to have a system like that where you can make it zero anonymous, mm-hmm. but I feel like that should just be the norm. But it, yeah, well, that's actually not common though. That's not super common. That's the thing. My God, they really like. Wow, they, anything they could do to like change the jury's mind about this, yeah. like, yes, there is no imposter. Any of them imposter judge is bullshit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's infuriating. It's it's the mo- one of the most infuriating cases I've ever like delved into. It's, yeah, yeah, I. I had kind of like form my thoughts around this to ask questions, but I'm just kind of a, oh, a blind yeah. rage right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just checking my notes to make sure I didn't skip over anything crucial here, but yeah, that, I, I think that was the pretty my much notes the main. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so the, the logs, um, all yeah. the kind of things hints on the logs. That's like it really does. the best evidence well, they have. Well, but here's the thing, though. It not not real. So they have. So there was like a journal on Ross's computer where um, it seemed to have be like the DPR logs had like he had a journal of the DPR logs on there. Um, and that's kind of what they used to tie him to the DPR who was putting out hits on people. But then you have to stop and think, OK, wait a minute. If if they really believe that he was like it was like just a, a drop shut case, why didn't they charge him with murder for hire? 
yeah. you know, because like when you think about it, like, well, it all hinges on the logs. It actually doesn't because he was never even charged for what was mostly present on those logs. So when you think about that in terms of the case itself, it's like, no, that actually is the, the one of the most irrelevant like points of the case, which is just mind boggling because that's like the only thing they actually have. Yeah. Like the only thing they really had was the logs and they, okay. Um, what, what, what is being done currently? Cause I heard the mom give a speech at the Tom yeah. Woods event. Um, what is currently being done to rectify this? So, so from, from what I know, the so from what I know, I could be wrong on this, but last time I uh, I, I checked into this, um, the the family had used up all their appeals, so they can't appeal to court anymore. And the Supreme Court did not hear the case when they, when when it could have gone to the Supreme Court. Um, so they used up all their appeals, and I think the best chance they have now is a pardon. And um, it's not. I, I hate to say it, but the pardon is not likely. I hold out hope for a pardon, but it's not very likely. You know, there's this, I don't know if you're familiar about this, um, uh, Trump in one of his last days as, as president, uh, or his last week of president, it was right after he, I think he lost the election. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a story that came out that said, uh, Ross was on one on Trump's list of people who he was going to pardon. And that, that was a big story that came out and people, including myself, were like really hyped up. And of course you had like thousands of people online because this was a big story because Trump's name was attached to it. And you had all these people talking about how, oh, he's a hired hitman. He's a kingpin. It's like, no. But I, bet, yeah, you, he, I, bet, I, bet, I bet you didn't sleep much during that time. I was, I re- responded to so many people that day because I was just furious. Nothing, get, like, <laughs> like nothing makes me, very few things make me mad on Twitter. But when I see people like uh, talking shit about Ross, it just infuriates me. It's, yeah. it's so like maddening to me. Um, uh, but yeah, he didn't pardon them. And that was really depressing. Um, I, I think there's still, so what, what people can do though, is that you can, uh, sign the petition. I recommend everyone sign the petition. The free it will Ross be in petition. the link in the description. Yeah. You go to freeross.org, which is, you can find all the stuff there that I've talked about. Um, it's on that site. Um, freeross.org is a great site. Lynn Ulbricht is a hero. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, that's I, and then you, there's all the ways to donate, which will, which also helps. Um, you can send Ross letters, Ross, uh, uh like, okay. uh, you can send Ross letters, and he does tend to reply to them. So oh. you know that can that's also uh, uh, you know something you can do. Um, uh, yeah, it, it's just tragic. It's a, it's a tragedy. It's Absolutely. uh, yeah, it's one of the things. Go ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. One of the things Ross's mom said at the Tom Woods event was that Trump had the power to pardon Ross, mm-hmm. and all he would have had to do is uh, deal with people on Twitter being mad at him for a few days, and it would have right. been over. And yeah. like, once I heard that, I was like, oh, I compl- I, like, I had a lot of faith in President's pardon kind of thing. Like, there's still mm-hmm. ways that could be useful. But after hearing that, I was like, oh, yeah, these um, – what's, what's what I'm looking for here? I don't know. Besides monsters, I'm not going to correct word, but like, they're still concerned with the – responses on Twitter about negative mm-hmm. attitudes toward them. But they're like, I can't free a guy who's in, unlawfully imprisoned. It's yeah. And like, honestly, even if you th- like, let's just accept that he did everything Ross did. Like, let, let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and say all their charges were like Ross did those things. Uh, that would still not add up to the sins he got. Yeah. Like, like what there's is- like m- the worst rapists and murderers you can ever imagine. Don't get that. <laughs> I'm gonna look up what and, the normal charges for a uh, high one hitman. See how long that would be. If he, right. If he, if he, even if he did the worst thing they claim he did, or never charged yeah. him with. Never charged him, but claimed um, him. Yeah. 
And it wasn't even, yeah, it, it turned out not to be even a successful. So it was an, a mur- it was an attempted murder for hire. It wasn't even, a, you know. To hire. I think it depends, but it ranges from like 10 to 30 years or something like that. 30 being the um, extreme. Zoe Exotic got 22. Yeah. So I guess that's, yeah, wow. That is, okay, so we've covered the whole story. Mm-hmm. I have all my questions answered. We kind of have a nowhere to go. Uh, Freewash.org. Yeah. Um, is there anything you've missed you want to add or anything you've, um, you want to cover a little bit in detail here? I'm trying to think. I don't. So after the trial, um, Reason, you, the Reason magazine we got mm-hmm. subpoenaed by the FBI. Their online um, side, the online uh, Reason website got subpoenaed by the FBI because one of the commenters said that, and I and this is a quote, um, I'm just quoting here, uh, said that when the revolution happens, uh, the judge will be the first person in the wood chipper. And then, uh, I, I, quote unquote. So um, the FBI subpoenaed Reason and subpoenaed that comment. And so that's, uh, you know, just something they, uh, uh, you know, went after. So, but yeah. Um, I'm trying to, I'm just double checking here, making sure I didn't like skip over anything crucial. Yeah. The agents did eventually got, um, the agents eventually like got, uh, Sean Bridges and Carl Mark Forrest spent like six to eight, six and eight years, I think, respectively. Yeah. That is their, the craziest part of the story to me. The, yeah. The, the investigating people were charged for like acting they did what, during the investigation and did not poison the well or make any difference in the. Yeah. I'm trying to think of like any other kind of like miscarriage of justice I've heard of. I can't think of one that kind of even comes close. Right. <laughs> like, it's it's, it's is, so infuriating. And and the judge is the like, you know, all everything that happened is so like terrible, but the judge's statements at sentencing is what always makes me furious. Like yeah. the fact that, you know, she used his his philosophical leanings to justify her sentence on him. That is such so a scary thought that yeah. you'd be in jail for anything, and they could go to your Twitter and just be like, "Well, you mm-hmm. have anti-government leanings." Oh my yeah. god! And you know, you know, the person. So he, he for one, I, I think it's it's important to clarify. You know, obviously, you know, I, I think you and I would both say no one should be in jail for drugs. But uh, you know, even if you are someone who does believe that you should be in jail for drugs, I think the the like the most co- like the person who sold the most drugs on Silk Road only got ten years for it. And I mean, I, I mean, I'm glad they only got 10 years. They shouldn't have gotten any, but you know, compared, like, yeah. I'm just saying compared to Ross, it's like, so that guy gets yeah. 10 years. Ross gets double life plus 40. It's a facilitating website. Like if I put up a flea market and someone sells a drug at the flea market, flea market yeah. I'm putting it. Yeah. It's yeah. like, like it, 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 Craigslist, drugs get sold on Craigslist all the time. No one drugs, goes after Craigslist. All sorts yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. Tinder, you just put, I want to plug, and you find a drug deal on Tinder. Right. Like it, and no one cares. It, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. Fuck, uh, oh, man. I, I knew it was bad. I, I knew going, like, doing the episode, like, this is going to be bad, but I did not expect it to be this fucking bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, well, I guess, do you have any, I, Ace, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I don't think I have anything more to add. Just like, you know, um, 
I, if you have time, I, I, I think everyone should sign the petition and if you can donate, but you know, I think it, um, it truly would be like just a, a very nice gesture if like people went and like, if you had time, write Ross a letter, like write him a really kind letter and sign, send it to him. Because um, I think on freeross.org, you can, um, uh, you can send, there, there's ways where you can get in contact with Ross. Like they'll give you the information to like where to send your letters and where to Didn't mail them. Didn't he make a phone call at a Bitcoin conference recently? Yes, he did. Yes. So he yeah, sees to us some outside contact. Some, is... yes. Although, although there was a time when he was in isolated confinement, uh, which is just like, it's considered torture. You know, yeah. it's like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, there's one time when he was at us. Um, so there was a, a time when, okay, I have to tell this story because it's like, you know, this is, uh, this was from his mother. But, um, um, Ross, so Ross was in a supermax prison. I was, I was saying at one point, right. And the supermax prison is where they keep the worst of the worst people. Like these are the worst rapists and murderers and, you know, pedophiles and things like that. Um, and apparently, uh, from what, from what Ross's mother said is that there was a time when, um, the people in, so the people in prison, like the actual people will say, you have to go like hurt that other prisoner or we're going to like hurt you type thing. You know, they do, this is like mm -hmm. kind of like a, a prison ritual, like initiation type thing. Um, and Ross said, no, Ross apparently refused and said, no, it's never okay to, you know, like hurt another person. And, uh, that's why they had, so they had to separate. So the guards actually had to separate Ross from the other violent prisoners, uh, because, and, and, you know, even the prison guards in prison, the prison guards would, will tell, would tell Lynn Ulbricht, his mother that, Hey, this guy doesn't deserve to be here. Like even the prison guards know. I hate everything about this country now. Yeah. I, fuck. Okay, everyone listening, uh, donate, sign a petition, write yeah. Ross a letter. The petition Quay, only says 500,000. The petition only has 500,000 signatures on it. I think it's close to, like, it's very close to 500,000, which is an insane number for a, a petition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone, if you, after you hear this podcast, people, you, you still have enough information mm -hmm. to argue about this talk to people about it you know really yeah this, absolutely more people need to know the story because i i i'm an anarchist and you know and you know what I, yeah I, like i was gonna say i'm an anarchist but if honestly if if you can call your local representative and harass them about this do it like oh, absolutely I'm just do anything politicians. yes awful harassing politicians. let's do it yeah like um, uh, you know so just uh, try to like spread it and try to get more people to know the actual story behind it you know because <laughs> it's just like I, I don't mean to be dreadful about it but it's like you know there's there's you're kind of powerless and you kind of have to accept that you're kind of powerless in this situation and you just have to yeah. sit with that and it's kind of infuriating but it's uh it's an extremely important case it's an important issue and it's like you know i i think it's you know when you see injustice happen before your eyes like this it's just like this visceral gut reaction like yeah. uh this indignity that was committed against this person against ross it's just horrible and like his, i don't you know, his mother is like a superhuman for being able oh, yeah. to power through this for years. Like she's obviously like, the hardest hit, and it's just unbelievable. She gave, mm -hmm. gave a speech about those things, and see, like it was it was moving. It was incredible. Yeah. I mean, okay, um, <clears throat> excuse me. I one thing I wanted to add. Um, oh, anyone listening? If you if you argue with somebody or you think someone would be interested in the story, say it a podcast. We kind of covered the thing. This. This is. I, I want to be mm -hmm. around an hour, a little over. But say to people if they have any interest in it, this is a. Again, this is a bare bones. Explain like I'm five. Intro to it. So this. Yeah. 
they had a podcast. Oh. Um, and if you look up the railroaded in this, I think in podcast formats, probably the best way railroaded the story of Ross Ulbricht. Um, it, it goes into everything I said and more. So if you really want the full, full package and everything, uh, go to that, check that out. Too. Yes. Okay. Um, Ace, go ahead and give your plugs. Oh, uh, I, honestly, I, I don't just Ace underscore Arcus on Twitter, and I would just plug Free Ross again and do what you can Free from Ross. there. Yeah, yeah. I have to, I have to get to bed. Got other things going on, but I will be updating the description tomorrow with all the links because there's. A, okay, I'll send you some too after links. after this. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for so much for having me back on. No problem. Anytime. Um, guys, this has been a, an episode of Catholic Libertarian Podcast. Um, Free Ross. <laughs> Oh, 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 oh,